This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. He's in control. Everything's okay. Yes. Amen. Some of y'all, that was a weak amen. <laughs> God's in control. I know sometimes we look around, we think, oh my gosh, this is happening, that's happening. You know, but Jesus said, you know, in the last days, He said, don't let fear grip your heart. Isn't that right? We have to guard our heart and not let fear grip it. Well, we're going to wrap up our series we've been doing all this month of July uh, entitled Celebrating Our Liberty. We've been looking at some wonderful truths from God's Word about the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus. And we've kind of, kind of had a double meaning this month. We've been celebrating the liberty that we enjoy here in our nation. We talked about, you know, that... Before any liberty comes about, there's first a proclamation. We, had, we talked about it with the, you know, the, the Declaration of Independence. It was set forth. It was read out loud. It was declared before any action took place that brought about liberty. We talked about the Emancipation Proclamation. We mentioned it. That also there was what? A declaration that was made by those in authority Long before what anyone was actually set free. And that always a declaration precedes a proclamation. And uh, I forgot my glasses. Are they up there? Thank you, BT. Won't get far without these. <laughs> well, if you will, turn to Luke chapter 4. This has been what we've been teaching from, we're going to conclude with it, not because we've exhausted the subject, but we're just going to move on to something else next month. Verse 18, Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. He's in the synagogue. The scroll of Isaiah has been handed to him. He's found the place. And in verse 18, he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. I mean, you know, that, were, that was you and I, <laughs> the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know, sometimes <clears throat> the difference between what we know and what we're living can seem as wide as a chasm. I mean, you think about it. These people, the day that Jesus read this scripture and declared this day, it is true, they were occupied by a foreign army. Rome was there occupying them, taxing them, oppressing them. And sometimes, you know, we hear a series of messages that's talking about celebrating our liberty and Christ has made us free. Sometimes we may feel just like I'm sure they felt the day that Jesus read this, that, that our experience and what God is declaring seems so wide and so far apart. When Jesus spoke in his hometown, of course, they were being occupied. 
and uh, by another nation. And so the words he spoke to them, I'm sure many of them thought, wait a minute. I, I don't think that, I don't know whether this applies to us or not. Because after all, if it did, why am I not free? Why are we being oppressed? There were two prevailing attitudes that seemed to occupy the, the minds of the Israelites. There were the zealots who thought, you know, the way to get free from Rome was arm everybody and go kill all the Romans. Then there was pretty much everybody else who had learned how to just kind of, you know, to compromise and how to adjust to the new reality and just enjoy whatever freedom Rome was permitting. Many Christians living their lives, even though God says, I have the ultimate of liberty for you in Christ Jesus, many of us find ourselves that way, that we're kind of living a reality of compromise where we're just kind of sort of enjoying partial liberty. And you know, the problem with us as human beings is we're very adaptive. And that is both a good thing, but it can also be a negative thing. It's kind of like that old two-edged sword. It cuts both ways, doesn't it? It's good that we can be adaptive. That helps us to, to change and, and, and to grow and to learn. But on the other hand, you know, when we are supposed to uh, stand fast, the Bible says, for the liberty with which Christ has set us free, we can get real complacent. And all of a sudden, we can begin to adjust our expectations to our circumstance rather than to God's Word. Isn't that true? So when Jesus declared that liberty had been promised them by God was, a, was available, it was fine until He said it's available today. Now I found, you know, the difference between a relationship with God and being a child of God and being religious has to do with the time tense. When we talk about what God's going to do one day, when we talk about what heaven's going to be like, when we talk about all the blessings when we get there, and we need to be talking about those, and those are great and wonderful. You know, religious people are good with those, but when we start talking about God doing something today, whoa, that changes the whole scenario, doesn't it? I'm expecting God to move in my life right now. I'm expecting God to move in my marriage, in my body, in my family. I'm expecting God to do something today. That's a whole different thing. And this is what Jesus began to declare. He said, today is fulfilled in your ears. So here's the thing. They had difficulty and they did not accept the reality of what Jesus was saying because they measured, rather than by God's word, they measured their reality by their circumstances of the day. And so we'll read a little bit later on. They got so upset with Jesus that they tried to kill him. Wow, I've, I've, I've preached in some hostile places, but I've never you know, had any, you know, the congregation rise up and try to kill me. Wow. I mean, did you see anything right there that Jesus, we just read that, what Jesus' message was. Was there anything there to make people that mad? Until he said what? Today. See, if he said, you know, when the Messiah comes, when God comes, when all things are restored, one of these days, nobody would have got mad. They'd have all patted him on the back. What a great preacher. But as soon as he said today, there was that what? That conflict. My reality is I'm occupied. I'm living in an occupied nation. 
But God's saying, freedom and liberty is mine. So let's take a look at that and see what he's talking about. When In verse 19, he said, he said to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, what was the year of the Lord's favor? Of course, they being Israelites, they understood immediately what he was talking about. But for us, we may not understand what he meant by the year of the Lord's favor. So let's look at Leviticus 25. We're just going to look at a couple of verses to kind of give us some background so that we understand what they understood just by their culture and by their uh, religion. They understood what the year of the Lord's favor. In Leviticus chapter 25, verse 8, God is speaking to the Israelites as they prepare to go in to the promised land, the land that God was giving them, the land overflowing with milk and honey, the land where he said you're going to reap crops that you didn't, you didn't plant, you're going to live in houses that you didn't build. Wow. See, that's great one day, isn't it? But Jesus said it was today. <laughs> he said, count off seven Sabbaths of years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbaths of years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month on the Day of Atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all the inhabitants. There it is again. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and each one to his own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow, do not reap what grows of itself, or harvest the untended vines, for it is a jubilee, and it is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. Now, this is what Jesus, when he said in Nazareth, the acceptable year of the Lord, or the year of the Lord's favor, this is what they all understood. That he was saying, jubilee is here. It's time to celebrate jubilee. It's time to celebrate freedom. It's, to, it's time to blow the trumpet. It's time to declare liberty for all. Liberty for all. I am so glad that when Jesus came and he paid the price, he didn't just pay the price for a certain select few. It wasn't just for the, those who were super smart or very beautiful or had the right you know, connections, but it was liberty for everyone. And it's liberty for all. And I want you to notice what he said here. He said, on the day of atonement, he said, that's when this starts. Why did he say on the day of atonement? Because that was the day when the high priest offered up the blood sacrifice of the bull. And he took that in and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat. Where the, you know, where the, the glory of God, the Shekinah glory was, the Ten Commandments was, uh, you know, in that box underneath the mercy seat. He sprinkled the blood. And at that moment, when that blood was sprinkled, you know what? God saw that everybody in Israel, their sins were covered. That's what that represented. And he said, as soon as that happens, sound the trumpet throughout the land. That everyone is released and free. Oh my goodness. Because you really see, see we think, oh grace, we only see grace when we come to the New Testament. Well that's where 
the fulfillment of grace is, but we see grace right here. This is grace because he said anybody that had got into bondage, that had lost their property, that had, had, had to hire themselves out to work for their brothers or sisters, were in debt, any of those, he said, on this, at this time and in this year, when that blood is sprinkled, when the trumpet sounds, he said, they, their debt is released and they go back, get their house back, get their land back, get their possessions back. Whoa. That's a lot of grace. Isn't that a lot of grace? Can you imagine the person that maybe they had had some setbacks, they had to they had to hire themselves out. Maybe they lost property that had been in their family for a hundred years. Man, they're thinking, boy, oh, this is the year of Jubilee. And tomorrow is the day of atonement. Can you imagine? Boy, but they couldn't sleep. They're just thinking about going home. I'm going home. I'm going back. It's liberty for all. And this is what Jesus was declaring to the Israelites, even in Roman occupation. So it was a time of release and reset for the people of God in Israel. They were released from their debt. Why? The blood had been sprinkled. And then it was a rest for them. They're no longer going to have to work in somebody else's field, working for somebody else, but now they could return to their own possessions and to their own property. It was a time of recovery for the nation. It was a recovery. You know, we see this, you know, you can see this in any economy that if it goes long enough, a great deal of the wealth ends up in a small number of people's hands. And when that happens in, to, a, to a society and in a nation, a lot of people end up being oppressed. They're oppressed by poverty. If you don't think poverty is an oppression, come with me to Haiti. I've been to some very, very poverty nations. And the oppression, oh, it'll break your heart. It'll break your heart when you see what is happening to them, how they're oppressed, they're, they're, there's no hope. They're, they're, just, they're just beat down. And he said, when that happens, he says, I'm going to cause a release and arrest. And then he says, I'm going to cause a recovery. I'm going to bring about a recovery of freedom to those who are oppressed. This is what God wants to do. This is what Jesus was saying to them when we talk about releasing liberty, recovery. You know, failing to forgive creates a debt relationship. The Bible says that what the, the borrower or the one who is in debt, he's, he's, he's a servant, if you will, or he's in power to the one he owes. Isn't that true? If you don't think that's not true, stop. Now, I'm just hypothetical. Don't do this. Stop, stop paying your, your car payment and see if they come get it. That's, isn't that true? Yeah, that's, that's, that's my car. That's your car as long as we keep the payments up, right? <laughs> you stop the payments long enough and they'll let you know whose car it is. Isn't that true? Why? Because the, the bar is servant to the lender. And see, this is what Jubilee was about. <clears throat> it was about release, forgiveness, both the, the debt and things that were owed, but also we can understand spiritually, it's about releasing 
the indebtedness of a brother or sister or anyone for that matter, we release them. When we forgive, we release a debt. Have you ever been in a relationship where it was kind of strained? Maybe they said something to you or you said something to them or as in most cases we both said something to each other and we wish we hadn't said it. And, and for whatever reason, being human, we just kind of let that thing go. We don't really get it straightened out. And then you have to be around them. Doesn't that, don't you just feel great? No, you don't. You feel awkward, don't you? You feel awkward. There's, a, there's an indebtedness. What if, what if it's in the natural? What if you loan somebody some money and they owe you and they hadn't paid you and you get around one of them? There's an awkwardness there, isn't there? And so... This is one of the reasons God put Jubilee in there. He says, I want there to be a a relationship with your brothers and sisters that's not built on an indebtedness. Uh, He said, I don't want anybody in bondage to anyone else in all the land of Israel. So he said, I'm setting in this year of freedom, this year of Jubilee and recovery for everyone. And then after recovery, there was, uh, I call it a redo. I'm so glad God would get redos. I said, I'm so glad that we get redos in God. Now, some of y'all I know are perfect, so you don't know what I'm talking about. But the rest of us, we're glad that God gives us a redo. Isn't that true? You ever mess things up? Boy. And, you know, and God gives us a redo. That's really what happened here. And sometimes, you know, when we, when we mess it up in a relationship, whether it's our marriage or whether it's with a friend or a family member or whether we, we get in debt, whatever it may be, in the natural or, or whatever, man, I'm telling you, sometimes you can just feel like, man, I, I've blown it. I've messed it up. I've messed up my life. I've messed up my marriage. I've messed up, you know, my finances. I, it's just a mess. You know, that's when God says, listen, I'm proclaiming liberty to you today that you can have forgiveness and you can have a redo oh hallelujah a redo it is possible if we will release the liberty that God has given us in Christ Jesus and that's what he was telling them you know I I believe this one of the reasons that they were overcome and in servitude and you can study this out in the Old Testament we don't have time to get into it this morning But one of the reasons that they were in bondage is because what? They stopped celebrating the liberty that was theirs in Jubilee. Hello? They just stopped celebrating it. You know, at some point, somebody just, you know, for whatever reason, people begin to think, well, you know, you know, I know granddad talked about Jubilee. You know, or, you know, my great aunt talked about, you know, Jubilee, but, you know, we don't do that. We don't do that in our church. We don't do that in our synagogue. We don't do that anymore. You know, the the day of God doing miracles like that and, and bringing liberty and forgiveness of debt and restoring things to us, that happened back in our granddad's day. Somewhere along the line, I don't know where, but somewhere they stopped as a nation believing in the liberty and in the grace in, in the year of Jubilee that God had for them. And Jesus comes along and he just reads right out of their own scriptures and tells them, listen, the year of the Lord's favor, he said, it's today. It's today. Wow. Isn't that right? Listen, 
When Jesus went to Calvary, the Bible says that he bore the sins of the whole world. Isn't that right? So you and I were in that whole world, right? So he bore our sins. Isn't that right? So in bearing our sins, he destroyed the leverage that Satan in sin had over our lives. Remember, we said those who are in debt are in bondage, what? To the one they're in debt to. As long as we were under sin, Satan had leverage, had authority to keep us bound up, oppressed, feeling guilty and condemned. But Jesus came, and if you read over there in Colossians 2.15, it says he disarmed the principalities, the authorities, and the powers. Well, how did he disarm them? He paid our debt in full. So, you know, if my debt is paid, nobody can come, you know, and repossess my possessions. Because it's paid for. The liberty, the freedom that I have to come into the presence of God and to worship and to pray and to fellowship with God. No devil can take that away from me. No man can take that away from me. Are you listening? They've been disarmed. He said, so we have liberty now. You and I, they had a year of liberty, but we have a life of liberty. Because Jesus said, I am your jubilee. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. Now I want you to notice, he said, he said, sound the trumpet. How did people know that jubilee had come? Everybody wasn't at the temple where the sacrifice was made. And nobody but the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. Because anybody else went in there, you had a quick ticket to paradise. So how did they know that it had been accomplished? How did they know that it had been done? How did they know that God had received that sacrifice when the trumpet blew? He blew the trumpet throughout the land. Didn't we say that what we have to do is what? Declare... Liberty. Now, we don't blow a trumpet, but we have a mouth. I said we have a mouth. And our mouth, your mouth, can become the trumpet of liberty, the trumpet of redemption, when we start speaking what God has done in Christ Jesus. He has forgiven me all my sins. He will never remember them anymore. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. All the promises of God in Him are yes and by us an amen. We could go on and on. Everything that all the promises of God, all the benefits that belong to us, that's our liberty. But you know what? The trumpet has to be sounded. Now how many of you know... The enemy, we have an enemy. You do know that, right? The scriptures teach us we have an enemy. The devil and his cohorts. How many of you know they are always speaking? Isn't that right? They're speaking to you. You know that little nagging thing up here? You're no good. You really blew it. Nobody likes you. You're not going to make it. Yeah, you hear all that stuff Pastor Norris saying it's not for you. 
That's, see, that's the, that's the devil's thoughts. And what he's doing, he's sounding another trumpet in your mind. But what we have to do is we have to reject that voice that's telling us contrary to the scriptures. Are you listening? Contrary to the scriptures. Now remember, I always tell you, well, frequently I tell you, because if I had said always, that would be every time. But I frequently tell you, never accept what you hear me say. Check it out in the Bible. Check it out in the Bible. There's only one infallible person, and I am not he. <laughs> I'm not him. But that voice that wants to come and tell you that you, you, know, you, you just don't measure up, you're no good. That wants to keep you in bondage. You know, evidently that day when Jesus was speaking in his hometown in the synagogue, there was a voice that was speaking to them too. Let's turn back over to Luke 4. I want to read just a few more verses over there. Continue reading. Because what happened to them, if we're not careful, can happen to us. It says, you know, we said that he told them in verse 21, Today the scripture is fulfilled. Verse 22, it says, All spoke well of him. And we're amazed at the gracious words that came from his, life, his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? Jesus said, surely you're going to quote this proverb, physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard you do in Capernaum. He said, I tell you the truth. He continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years. There was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. Wow. He's making a comparison here. He's saying that even though in that time when there was a, a famine, there was a dire need, that, that rather than God's people being the recipient of the blessing and the grace and the liberty of God... He said that God sent him to this woman in the city of Sidon, which was outside of Israel. You know, sometimes we get real religious. We think God's going to bless us because we're religious. And, you know, and we see God blessing somebody that we think don't quite measure up. You know what I mean? Of course, that measure up is... Our measuring rod, not God's, isn't it? And we get mad. Well, God, why are you blessing them? Why did you answer that prayer? Why? Did I... I was listening uh, on YouTube and uh, uh, Chuck Smith. Anybody ever heard Chuck Smith out in California years ago in the sixties and seventies? And of course, he's got a great church and everything out there now. But uh, uh, Calvary churches. But, you know, in that day, it was what we called, and this is the era I came up in, in the Jesus people movement, yes. you know, just where all the, all the hippies and the, all those kind of people, you know, were coming in and getting saved. And he was talking about it. And he said, uh, you know, they, they were having young people come in and they were getting saved. And he said he was there at the little, they had a small little church at that time. And he was there. And he said, uh, one day, he said, uh, here come these uh, group of hippies in. You know, long-haired, beards, tie-dye T-shirts, you know, the whole deal. And they said, uh, Pastor said, uh, 
we, we, we'd, like to, we'd like to play for you. We, we, we got saved about two weeks ago and, and here in the church, and, and God's given us some songs. And he said, man, he said, I looked at them, and I thought, oh, no. No, I don't know about this. Man, they don't look like us. They don't, you know, they don't talk like us. I mean, you know, and he said, well, he said, can you, can you play something? Let me, let me kind of hear, you know, what these songs are, you know. He said, I, you know. And he said, they started playing, and he said, the Spirit of God just started moving. And he said, he said well, we're going to have a young people's meeting tonight. He said, can you play tonight? And they said, well, he said, uh, man, one of our guitarists, he's, he's serving out a sentence on the weekends for marijuana possession, but I think he gets out at noon today so he can make it. Yeah, we can play. <laughs> Holy cow. That couldn't be God. But it was. And it was a group, Chuck Gerard Love Songs. You may have heard of them. Some of you are old enough. Not go on to YouTube and look them up. But sometimes we think, you know, God, you can't use this one. You can't use that one. We've got to get everything just right. But it's more about the attitude of our heart than us having all our ducks in a row. Because I don't know about you, but every time I get about three or four ducks in a row, the last three or four are messed up. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Man. This is why we need the grace of God, isn't it? Because he said, if you got seven ducks and you get six in a row and the seventh one's out, he said, you don't measure up. But thank God through grace, if I don't have any of them lined up yet, you know what? God is still working in my life. It's all about our heart attitude, isn't it? So, you know, uh, here in Luke, it says that, you know, then he went on and he talked about Naaman the Syrian. He said there were many lepers in Israel. He said, but none of them were healed except Naaman the Syrian. Here's a guy, he, he didn't even worship the God of Israel. But he'd heard about that God healed and he said, I'm getting over there to the prophet and I'm going to find out and I'm going to get healed myself. And you know what? He did get healed. And uh, it said, when they heard this, it said they were furious with him. You know why? Because he was pointing out the condition of their heart. And the condition of their heart was what caused them to continue to live in occupied territory. The condition of their heart. And you know, so many people and even so many believers... They're living in occupied territory. Even though your sins have been forgiven, even though you're a child of God, your life is occupied with fear, with depression, with feeling guilty all the time, that you don't measure up with failure, whatever it is. We live in occupied territory. And you know what? Just like... Those Israelites long ago when Jesus read to them and he said, Today is the day of liberty for you. Today is the day of freedom for you. We can be living in a place of occupation by these things for so long that we can have an attitude just like they did. Well, yeah, Pastor, that all sounds good, but you don't understand my circumstances. Well, I don't have to understand your circumstances 
God understands your circumstances. And he's the one that said, today is the day to go free. Today is the day of liberty. And so we end up living in occupied territory, and God never intended that. He didn't intend it for the Israelites. He doesn't intend for you and I to live in occupied territory. Jesus said, he said, when you come to me, he said, come to me. He said, I want to release you from everything that is occupying your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, your cares, your body. He said, everything. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to bring release to that. Now think about that. The Bible says that Jesus came to what? Bring peace. Peace between us and God first. Then peace between what? Our brothers and sisters secondly. Isn't that right? And anything that is disturbing our peace is an occupier in our life. And God wants us to be free from those things. And that's what Jesus was telling them. And now we have a choice just like they had a choice. We can get mad about it because it's not a reality yet in our life. Or we can embrace it because Jesus preached the same message throughout his whole ministry. And you ever notice those who embraced the message, their sins were forgiven. They were set free from the oppression of the devil. They were healed in their body. Their taxes got paid. Wow. I mean, God cares about paying your taxes. He must have. He paid, he paid Peter's taxes for him. See, we think, oh, God, you take care of the big stuff now, and I'm going to take care of all this other, you know, small stuff, because I don't want to bother God with it. Listen, God wants us free, free from fear, free from condemnation. Free from all oppression. He wants us to be free. That's, Jesus has paid the price for it. Why not let freedom be the occupier? Not, why not let peace be the occupier? Why not let faith and love be the occupier? Why not let hope and dreams from God be that which occupies our thoughts and our life and our situation? Amen? Amen. So many times we are like the Israelites, ancient Israelites, pacifists or zealots. Pacifists or zealots. We learn to live with our present reality because we've lived with it so long. You know, we're like uh, Pharaoh. Remember when God through Moses brought the judgments on the land of Egypt? Remember that? Different, you know, the locusts and all that. The, the one that always... Stuck in my mind, though, was with the frogs. Remember that? He brought the frogs. There was frogs everywhere, you know. Frogs in the bed. Frogs on the couch. You know, frogs sticking to the flat screen TV. I mean, there was frogs in the soup, in the microwave. Everywhere there was frogs. Frogs. I mean, you couldn't get out of bed. You stepped on a frog. I mean, them things croaking and jumping and hopping and all that. You know, and finally, Pharaoh says, I've had enough of the frogs. Call Moses. Moses comes and Moses says, when do you want me to get rid of them? He said, tomorrow. What a mentality. Tomorrow? That sounds incredulous, doesn't it? Why would a guy say tomorrow? Why not now? But you know what? That 
is a typical human attitude many times. One day, someday, somehow. Well, listen, the one day was at Calvary 2,000 years ago. That was the one day when your freedom was purchased. Amen? And the someday is the day that you need it. That's what Jesus told them. He said, you're in need of liberty. You're in need of grace. You're in need of being set free from the oppression of of the enemy. He said, that day is today. Listen, don't put off till tomorrow what God says is yours today. Now, some things are in the future. Heaven's in the future. Praise the Lord. That's going to be a great day. We're going to get a brand new body. That's in the future. That's going to be a great day, isn't it? Oh, hallelujah. You know, the, the, the measurement of the, of the new Jerusalem that he talked about in Jerusalem or, or in the Revelations, that new Jerusalem, that city is about 1,500 miles cubed. That means it would stretch. If it was here on the present planet and here in the United States, it would stretch from the East Coast all the way out to Arizona. And 1,500 miles cubed, that means 1,500 miles high. And all the streets paved with gold. That's in your future. That's That's in your future. So there are some things in our future. But there are things that God also has for us today. And that is the liberty that He has purchased for us. So don't be a pacifist. And then some, you know, are, you know, we're like the zealots. We're fighting the Romans. We're fighting, fighting, fighting. We're putting out brush fires. We're fighting every little thing. And, you know, sometimes the thing is not the thing. You know what I mean by that? The thing that we're fighting so hard against, it's a symptom. You know, if you go to the doctor and you tell him your symptoms, now he may give you something to treat those symptoms, but he's got to go beyond the symptom to cure you. Isn't that right? For your body, to help your body heal itself, that doctor is going to diagnose what is causing the symptoms because there's always a root to the fruit. Isn't that right? Whatever the fruit is, if it's fear, there's a root there. Whatever it is. But so the symptoms, you know, God, they are signposts that something is amiss, that there is a trespasser in my life that is occupying an area in my life. But you know what? It's not supposed to be. It doesn't have to be because Jesus has already paid the price. And he said, today is the day of salvation. Isn't that right? And the word salvation not only means forgiveness of sins, but it, it's an all-encompassing word that has to do for ev- with everything from the time you're born again to that day we're in heaven with that resurrected body. Salvation includes that whole thing. Because Jesus is not going to come and die again for the second part. He died once for all of us, and it's all paid for. So let's receive today the liberty that He has for us. What is the symptoms that you may be dealing with? Maybe it's a bad marriage. Maybe it's bad health. Maybe it's lack. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's condemnation. Whatever it might be. Listen, those are symptoms. Those are signposts. But I've got good news for you. They don't have to be permanent. I said they don't have to be permanent. If you will dare to believe 
what Jesus said that today you can be free. That today he has purchased the liberty and the freedom. It's available through his grace to whosoever will. Are you listening? You know, I talked about occupiers, modern day occupiers. But there are two occupiers that are worse than all these, as bad as all these things I've said. There's two that are worse. And that is unbelief and doubt. Hebrews, turn over to Hebrews chapter 4. I'll read your scripture there real quick. These are the two occupiers that Jesus encountered when he read from Isaiah in that synagogue nearly 2,000 years ago. This, the, you know, the Romans, you know, they thought the thing was the Romans. But the thing was not the thing. It wasn't the Romans that was their problem. It was something else that was their problem. And it reared its head when Jesus said, today you can have it. And he confronted the two occupiers of doubt and unbelief. And man, when he confronted those things, ooh, he stirred up a hornet's nest, didn't he? They were ready to, 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 come, to kill him, to throw him off the cliff there. And the two occupiers that we need to guard against, against all these other things, is doubt and unbelief. Now, doubt stems from not knowing. If I don't know, I can't believe. He said, didn't Paul say, how shall they believe unless they hear? And how, they, how shall they hear unless what, somebody be sent? Isn't that right? Somebody's got to blow the trumpet. Somebody's got to stand up and say, hey, here's the freedom. There's freedom in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? They blow the trumpet. So that's doubt. If you haven't heard, you, you know, it's easy to doubt. But the other one deals with us who are children of God, the people of God, and that is unbelief. And unbelief is knowing, but yet not believing. Let me read here from Hebrews 4. Verse 1. Don't worry, there is a cure. Hallelujah. Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest, rest, Remember, we said about the, the year, the day of Jubilee, the year of Jubilee, that one of the things that came about was what? Rest. The rest still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us, haven't we, Passion Church? Just as they did. In other words, they heard the message too. But the message they heard was of no value to them. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that tragic? It was of no value to them. Why wasn't it? Because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Now, I know sometimes this gets awfully controversial to some people. But here's the thing. God is a faith God. He requires us to meet him with faith. And he says, not only do I require it, but since I require it, he says, I'm going to give it to you. Now, right? You read over there in Romans 12. He said, he said that, that we're saved by faith in Ephesians 2.8. He said, by grace, 
through faith. And he said, that not of yourself is a gift of God. Not only is salvation a gift, but the faith to receive it is a gift. Because faith comes by and hearing by the But they did not what? Combine, I think King James says, mix faith with it. And you know what? That's our part. Oh, I wish it was just automatic church. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Everybody would be saved. Nobody would have to go preach. There would have to be no sacrifices made. Nobody would have to leave home and do it. Nobody would have to be persecuted. Nobody would have to be, you know, it wouldn't that be great. It would just fall on everybody. But it doesn't work that way. We have to hear. The message has to be heard. And then somebody who hears it has to what? Combine it with faith. That's what Jesus was telling them in that synagogue. He said, the widow at Zarephath, why was the prophet sent to her? Because she had faith to combine it with what the prophet said. Why was this guy who we look at as a, as a worshiper of idols in Syria, Naaman, why was he healed when there were all these other lepers in Israel in that day? Why? Because he had faith to combine. And so here's the occupiers that we have to watch, church. Not so much the symptoms, yes, those are important, but the occupier of doubt and unbelief. And the cure for that, I'm happy to say, is right in front of you. It's the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. Isn't that right? <laughs> From Genesis to Maps, it belongs to you. It's all yours. And if you get into that book, and listen, when you read that, the Holy Spirit will bring it to life. And you grab hold of that truth. And you say, this is mine. I'm honoring what Jesus suffered and paid the price for at Calvary. I'm honoring it by believing it and receiving it in my life. And I am, by the grace and the help of God, His Word and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to begin celebrating and living and honoring Jesus in this liberty that He has provided for me. That's what honors God. You know, if... If you came to me and said, said Pastor Norris, you know, man, I, I need a car. I don't have a car. I can't get to work. I'm in danger of losing my job. I've been trying to get rides and find rides, and it's just, you know, it's not working out and everything. And I said, you know what? I, I've got a car here. It's not brand new, but it's in good shape. It's in good operating condition. I just put new tires on it or whatever, and I'm going to give it to you. you. You can just have it. You know, and the next Sunday... You know, you're here at church. And I said, well, how's it going, you know, with the, with the job and the car? I mean, how, is it everything good? Oh, Pastor Norris, please pray for me. I, man, I, I tell you, it's hard getting to work. I, you know, I'm trying to find a ride with people. I'm trying, it's just not working out for me. Well, what about the car I gave you? Oh, well, it, it's in the driveway all right. But, you know, I just don't feel worthy of it. I mean, I didn't pay for it. I mean, it was a gift. You gave it to me, and I, I just, oh, no, I didn't, I didn't deserve it. You say, that's the silliest thing ever. But how many people are doing that with the gospel? Jesus didn't pay that price so that you couldn't have it. He paid the price so that you could have it. 
Listen, let's just get this settled right now. None of us deserved any of it. Let's all say amen. All right, now we got that behind us. But that's not the issue anymore. It's about whether or not we will believe and receive what He's provided for us. Isn't that right? So how do we, real quickly, how do we restore liberty to the land? First of all, by releasing the debt that is owed us from our brothers and sisters. And by this more specifically, I'm talking about a spiritual debt. We won't have time, but in Matthew 18, I encourage you to read that there. Jesus is talking about binding and loosing. And if you read it in the context where he goes on down, he's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about forgiveness. Remember, he gives the the example. I'll give us a real quick Reader's Digest here of it. He talked about the parable. Remember the one man who owed uh, equivalent to millions of dollars to the king? He couldn't pay it. And so in those days, the king said, okay, sell his house, sell his property. All his family's going to go, you know, going to work for me to pay off that debt and put him in prison. Wow. I mean, you know how hard it would be to pay off a debt if you're in prison and can't work. Boy, that's going to be pretty hard to do. Well, it was a debt he could have never paid anyway. And it says he fell down. You know the story. He said, he fell down. And he said, have mercy on me and I will pay all. Well, he couldn't pay it. Probably in ten lifetimes he couldn't have paid it. And it says that the king had compassion, had mercy on him, and completely forgave all that debt. Listen, that's you and I. We, we owed a debt we could not pay. He paid the debt he did not owe. That's what Jesus did, isn't that right? And it, but you go on and read this parable and it says this same man that had been forgiven by the king, he went out and he found, you know, a, a fellow servant that owed him about ten bucks. Ten dollars. Ten, ten dollars. And he said, pay, grabbed him by the throat. Pay me what you owe me. He said, have mercy on me and I will pay you. Well, that was reasonable. He probably could pay it off $10. But he says he would not hear it. And he had him put in prison. Now, remember, Jesus is talking about, he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you release or loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Well, this great debt, what he was released from it, he was forgiven from it. And so all that, that, that oppression of that debt owed, that great spiritual debt owed, was relieved. But you know what he did? He went and bound a fellow servant, bound him up over $10 and had him put in prison. You and I have been forgiven a great debt. That we could never, ever, ever, if you had eternity, you could not pay it. We were freely forgiven. And yet many times we go out and we hold a $10 grudge against someone else. They, they don't, may not even be a believer. It doesn't matter. Maybe a co-worker at, at the office has been you know, going behind your back and... And undercutting you, or whatever. What, or, you know, or, or your manager, or your boss has been treating you wrong, and you, man, there's something just trying to, you know what I'm talking about? You know? 
You know what? You, you need to forgive. You need to release that debt. Because what? He said there has to be, for there to be liberty, there has to be liberty in all the land. Are you listening? On the day of atonement, what if they blow the trumpet and some old knothead said, Well, I don't care what you say. I am, I'm not giving that back. I'm not giving that back. I'm not giving that house back. I'm not giving up that property. I'm not giving that back. And, and by the way, you're going to stay right here and work for me. You still owe me. See, he said, it's got to be practiced in all the land for it to be what? Effective. And so here's the thing. If we've been forgiven, we need to release... Our brothers and sisters release those, you know, around us from any debt that they owe to us. Because in releasing them, we enjoy the benefits of our own liberty. It's okay. Then. We release our brothers, and Jesus said in this, he goes on in this parable, when the king found out that he had put his fellow servant in jail, what did he do? He called him back. He said, I'll tell you what, here's what we're going to do. You wouldn't forgive, even though I forgave you that debt, you wouldn't forget a little debt. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put you back in prison. See, we don't realize when we fail to release other people of their debts, we become bound up ourselves. Our prayers become hindered. Our faith becomes hindered. Our love becomes doled out, you know, with an eyedropper rather than as it should be, freely given. And, and it hinders and it blocks us up. And it, we kind of get a, some spiritual congestion there. And it needs to be released. And the only way to do that, what? Is to release our brothers and sisters. And when we do that, we find release and the benefit of the liberty that was ours all along. Listen. Don't hold a grudge. Don't hold anything against anybody. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Yeah, we don't know what you did to God either, but He forgave you. <laughs> That's, the, the issue is not what they did. So did Jesus say, okay, if they did something big, you can stay mad at them. He didn't say that, did He? As a matter of fact, the, the Bible does just call sin, sin. It doesn't say there's little sin, big sin, medium sin. It's sin, sin, isn't that right? So we release ourselves. And then finally, if we will live in this liberty, we can release our nation. Now, I don't have time to read it, but in Jeremiah 34, you can read it over there later. Let me just give you a real quick reader's digest here. <clears throat> this was a time when Nebuchadnezzar was ruling and reigning. And he was taking up, gobbling up nation after nation, city after city. I mean, nobody could stand against his army. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Every, every king fell. Every army fell before his army. And now he's coming after Israel. And of course, they don't feel like they stand a chance. But the prophet comes to him and talks about, he said, here's what you need to do. You need to proclaim Jubilee to your brothers and sisters. You can read it over there. 
And it says that, that the whole nation with one heart said, okay, that's what we're going to do. We're going to let go the people that were working for us in bondage, our brothers and sisters. We're going to release the debt. We're going to declare jubilee. And it says when they did that, God caused Nebuchadnezzar to leave. But here's the thing. Oh, we human beings. We are but flesh, aren't we? As soon as they saw him leave, you know what they did? They brought him right back into bondage again. Right back into servitude again. And God says, okay. You didn't release them. You weren't sincere in it. So he says, now I'm bringing Nebuchadnezzar back. And he is going to take the city and the land. We don't have time. You read it over there. Jeremiah 34. Isn't that interesting? When they released their brothers and sisters, God was really willing to release them from the oppressor. But as soon as they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to oppress. We're gonna, we, we're, you know, we were just joking. You're not really free. You know, sometimes we say, okay, I've forgiven those people, but then we shun them. We won't have anything to do with them. Oh, yeah, I forgive them, but I'll tell you what, I'll never forget. I mean, you ever heard that? I'll tell you what, that wasn't from God because God says, He says, I will remember your sins and your iniquities no more. So that certainly didn't get that from the Bible, did they? God not only forgives, He forgets. But see, that's what they did. Well, I can forgive, but well, I'll tell you what, as soon as Nebuchadnezzar's outside, you're coming back here, boy. And so they, they bound them back up, the brothers and sisters, in debt. And it what? It opened the door for oppression again. Remember what the, the scriptures say? He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, call on me, what would he do? He would do what? He would hear from heaven and what would he do? He would heal the land. How can we expect God to hear our cries and heal the land when we won't proclaim liberty to our brothers and sisters? When we won't forgive the $10 but we want God to heal the million dollar thing in our land? We were talking about, wrapping this up today, releasing liberty. This is how we release the liberty. This is the ultimate. And today, I would encourage you, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. Don't just let, well, that was, that was a pretty good message, and you go, you know, we're not about pretty good messages. We're about transformed lives. We're about being real before God. Isn't that true? And so... Today, if the Holy Spirit speaking to you, if there's someone you know, hey, I need to forgive them. I need to forgive them. Listen, they may be already uh, uh, gone on to heaven. You still might need to forgive them. Might be a mom or a dad. Might have been a, somebody that was a, an important figure in your life. Whoever it might be. Might be the person sitting next to you. I just said might be. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking up to see you. I don't know anything. I just... But you know, here's the thing. If we are willing, church, listen, Passion Church, 
If we will do this if, and do it sincerely, not like the Israelites there in Jeremiah 34 where it was convenient, but if we will sincerely from our heart do this, practice this, I'm telling you what, we will see a renewal of liberty in our lives, in our city and community, and in this church. Are you listening to me? It absolutely is the principle of releasing liberty. Let me give you some real quick action points, and then we're going to pray and we're going to be letting you go. The first one is, am I living in occupied territory? Are you living in occupied territory? We talked about that. You've got to be honest with that. Especially the two big ones of doubt and unbelief. Oof. Get rid of those things. Get into the Bible. Get into your Bible. Get rid of those things. Get into your prayer closet. Get rid of those things. The second one goes with that. Have I allowed doubt and unbelief to limit my liberty? Have I allowed doubt and unbelief to limit my liberty? Thirdly, do I need to release anyone from from the negative effects of indebtedness? Somebody has done you wrong. Somebody has has harmed you. Somebody hurt you. Somebody said something against you. Is there somebody? When the Holy Spirit brings somebody to mind, that's the person I'm talking about. Release that thing. Release that thing. And then finally, choose to forgive others, and you will experience release for yourself. You know, Christianity is not an hour on Sunday. That's not what it's about. Christianity is a 24-7 thing, isn't it? It's a life lived before God, enabled by His grace and His Spirit, you know, living out this liberty that we talk about. And you know, everybody is craving, every human being craves liberty. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.